Welcome to episode number six with Moritz Emisecker, Regional Director at TransPerfect, one of the world's leading translation agencies. And we talk about the evolution of a lifelong sales career from selling Pokemon cards and candy on a school ground and being reminded that this is an educational institution, not a marketplace, until basically leading sales team, building strong relationships and how to have direct influence on how to approach prospects. So enjoy the episode, uh, learn from Moritz about his learning over more than a decade of a uh, sales career and uh, all the best. Hi Moritz, thanks so much uh, for joining us for today's episode of the B2B Startup Sales Podcast. Moritz, you're a regional sales director with TransPerfect, so could you tell us a bit more what that actually means and uh, what TransPerfect does as a business? Absolutely. And first of all, thank you very much, Manuel, and also Patrick for having me today. It's a beautiful Sunday, it's a beautiful sunny Monday, Monday afternoon in Switzerland. Uh, regional director at TransPerfect, it's a very good question because it basically means a lot of things. Long story short, we are the largest language service and technology company in the world. But basically, we are a very, very, very large startup so what that means is we have over 100 offices all around the world. And one of those offices is in Zurich. And I'm the regional director for Zurich, uh, Geneva, and then also Vienna in Austria, as well as Berlin in Germany. And so it consists of recruiting and hiring, training our people, uh, then obviously also making sure they win deals, they win customers, and then they also support those customers. But separately, we also have a player coach model. So that means on one side I'm coaching, but I'm also in the game myself every single day. I was actually just booking an opportunity a couple of minutes before our conversation. And so I'm doing this since now almost 10 years. So I started in 2011, uh, originally in our London office uh, for a couple of months for training. And then I migrated back to my hotel Zurich uh, from where I then started and grew our Dach business to a pretty, a pretty nice, uh, sizable figure in 2020. Cool. Thanks for the intro, Moritz. Great to have you here. Can you say a little bit more about the, the prospecting part? How do you prospect? How do you get in contact with new potential customers? Sure. Uh, obviously, like in these times, that's most likely not the same answer you're going to get now than, than one year. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So. Um, I mean, originally I started in 2011 and I had a little bit of sales experience working in a call center during my university time, uh, basically selling uh, magazines and insurances on the phone. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can maybe talk about that a little bit later. And, and it was a very uh, cold call heavy uh, approach. So I would call Swiss yeah. companies and I would basically say like, hey, Mr. Hartman, this is Moritz calling from TransPerfect. And then it was a very... Uh, a very American push style approach. So like, here I am, listen to me, we, we need to get a meeting. Uh, funny enough, Interesting. Though, funny enough though, that worked pretty well um, until a certain, I would stay, say stage in my career. And then I, I started to realize that th there's also different approaches. So now my absolute favorite prospecting approach is basically just going through the world open-minded, uh, reading magazines, for example, the Bilanz or Swissquote magazine, 
watching TV, uh, reading the news online, and basically finding situations, business situations, where let's say one company buys another company, and I see that with our services, we can help them achieve what they want to achieve, which obviously is a much more warm, I would say, call, and still, uh, I'd still do a lot of calls uh, than just the, hey, here I am, this is the products that we do, are you interested, when can we have a meeting? So yeah, prospecting a lot on the phone, and one of the reasons why Manuel, I think, also invited me, uh, I recently started doing a lot of videos through, uh, basically, thanks to Manuel. So I have to really tell you, like, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm so, so, so thankful because you, you, were, you were the one that gave me that idea. So you posted those videos on, on LinkedIn, and then I asked you, like, hey, how are you doing this? And you, you sent me the, the link to the software that you use. I'm, I'm going to say it, it's, it's Loom, but there's also a couple others, uh, like Vidyard, Bomb, Bomb, et cetera, yeah. et cetera where basically I go on someone's LinkedIn profile and on their website, I create a short video with their LinkedIn profile and with my face, basically telling them that, hey, normally I would have given you a call, but given the current times, that's not so easy. So I recorded the short video for you. So and you went the, basically from cold calling to cold looming, if that term even exists. So maybe uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to cold looming. I mean, I have to say, once once I started doing it and I started looking into it in, in more detail, I found out it's, it's actually pretty popular in the US already. So like there's a couple mm. of guys that are like really, really, really pushing for it. Um, here, it's still significantly over, underused. So as an example, a very large Swiss bank, they replied saying, wow, this is a really innovative way. Yes, sure, let me check who is in charge of that topic and let's have Amazing. a meeting. Amazing. Uh, but it's kind of like it's kind of like how long is this gonna work? So I think it's gonna be something that's gonna work for the next couple months. But then once everyone started using it, and who knows, right? The guys listening to this podcast, it's not gonna work anymore, and you're gonna need to find something new. Considering the US is usually five years ahead, Moritz, I think you have some more time with these videos. <laughs> I also got introduced by Manuel. I feel like Manuel is the one who introduced video into the sales departments of Switzerland, I guess, Manuel. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting when you're moving between these, these two worlds of North America and mainland Europe, I guess, because it's just yeah. like you basically have 20 year old kids following like a great sales script in like, for example, Canada it seems to be a great place of non too pushy sales, but doing diligently their job. And he's like, ah, and I'm swearing now, Moritz, I know, but it's just like this moment of truth when people tell you in Switzerland, oh, people need to be 50 years old and have like a master of ATR or HSG or whatever. And you have a 20 year old kid just following the script and doing like a video follow up. And it's so mm -hmm. definitely effective. Mm -hmm. Like today I did Loom video number 666 actually. And that was since I think February, 2020. Mm -hmm. Number yes. of the beast. You are the Loom video beast. He is the Swiss <laughs> yes. Loom video beast for it's sure. It's something I, I also discovered is consistency. And I'm curious to learn more from you, Moritz, how you over nearly 10 years of a sales career, even more, how you apply consistency in your sales process and also make that happen with your team. All right. So that's a, it's a very good question and potentially a little bit of a, a, a more difficult answer than the one you're potentially looking for. So when it comes to consistency, what I found out, what, what really, really worked is necessity. So mm. like if you go to someone and you tell them like, hey, you need to do, for example, 30 calls a day, 
but they don't have a necessity to do 30 calls mm -hmm. a day, it's most likely not going to happen. And one of the things that I found that, that really, really works is we hire people that are young, dynamic, and extremely hungry, but they are not necessarily hungry because someone else tells them you have to be hungry. It is because they are almost, I think driven is the right word for, for success. So in an interview, and I, I also really liked the other episode also that you did with, with Lars, where you, where you also went a little bit into interviewing sales reps or new account executives, SDRs, whatever you want to call them. One of the questions I like to ask is, okay, why do you need to be successful? And then like, usually they give you some whatever answer and then like you ask, okay, sure, but, but why? And at some point, then you discover the, the real truth. And if you have a necessity to be successful and someone tells you, you have to do 30 calls a day and after two years, you're going to be successful, you're going to do 35, you're, you're going to do 40. The other thing that really helped me at a later stage, I would say after two or three years where I already had certain accounts and I was, I was doing pretty okay, is, is gamification. So um, basically building habits. And uh, there's a very nice app called Hapitika, which is basically a little bit like a video game where every day when you do something, you get points. And mm. if you don't do it, at some point you die. Uh, and so with a couple of friends, basically I said, all right, we're now gonna do a group. And every day we have to do like five Loom videos. And at the end of the week, if you haven't done 25, there's, well, consequences in one form or the other. Um, mm -hmm. And so you, you push each other. And that's also one of the reasons why I would say we have a very strong uh, office culture. Um, not right now, obviously, but like normally we're in the office, we're next to each other, we're actively calling, we're listening to each other. And it's almost beca it's, it becomes uncomfortable if you are the guy just sitting there and doing nothing and everyone else is, is on the phone. Yeah, so would you say that actually uh, the accountability of peers is nearly stronger than yours? Or, and how do you establish that culture as well? Okay, good, good question. Uh, the accountability, well, it kind of depends what kind of person you are, right? So I am an extremely competitive person uh, to the point where... <laughs> Uh, to the point where I would say it had almost a negative effect on my personal life. So like I can't lose in Mario Kart. Like, mm -hmm. There was a phase in my life where if I would lose in Mario Kart, like I would just go home, I would just leave. And so the accountability or the with with peers uh, for me was a super super strong motivator because in my first year we had like three four guys actually one girl three guys that all started at the same time and we had a competition with each within each other of who's going to create the most revenue, the most happy customers by the end of the year. And that drove me almost more than, no, that drove me more than anything else. Cause I just, <laughs> I just, I just wanted to win like no, no matter what. And, uh, I, I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Moritz, to understand it correctly in the hiring process, one of the most important things you try to find out is why somebody is hungry given this person Correct. is hungry. Yeah, but that's also for me personal. So like that's, that's um, I would say that's as a regional director, the, the other really nice thing about Transperfect is, as I said, like we're kind of like a lot of small, smaller startups. But mm -hmm. what that means is that also every office, like we have a company culture, 
but every office or every region kind of breaks down that culture and adapts it to the local like requirements or the local environment. And mm -hmm. so the Zurich, in the Zurich office, because I am the, the one of the oldest employees there after our SVP, um, who I directly report, report into, that culture is very much driven by, by me. And for me, it is important that we have people that don't just show up for work because it's a job. It's because they they have a need to be successful and they want they want to make it happen. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe if you go in another office, that that would not be the same. So it's it's definitely true for me, but I I wouldn't want to say it's it's true for the whole company. Interesting. And what and maybe can I can I flip the question back to you? Like what what is it that you think? So like for me, it's necessity. What is it for you guys? Patrick, go ahead. What do you? I'm sorry, I didn't get. What do you think? For me, it's necessity. What no, do you no, mean? like the the key number one trait that a new hire uh, should have. Where you th where you know, where you know like if he has that he's going to be successful in one year, what is it for you? For me, number one, absolute number one, I guess would be a drive to learn new things. So if I talk to someone and I'd ask that person in the past two years, what did you do to to get better at whatever you, you whatever you want to get better at, or what did you do to learn new things? And when people like list a lot of stuff, I read books, I talk to a lot of people, like really curious and this, this kind of curiosity, this extreme curiosity and drive to learn new things. I think it was in my case, also a little bit biased, you know, my own opinion <laughs> and what reflected, what I think reflected my, was, was important in my career to learn new things and be curious about it. I think that's really crucial in sales to, to, to develop yourself, to become better because the techniques and everything that we use is, is really, you can read a lot about it, but in the end, it's also practical. You have to test it and try and, and, and if you're also anyway, like if you're a person who wants to learn and try, you're also going to be the one who, does the practical work that is needed to get better i think that's ex extremely crucial nice that's a very nice one i know one of my colleagues from our chicago office uh, he he uses a lot the the question what's the last business book that you read and what's the last thing that you applied in practice out of that book and if the yeah, candidate doesn't cool. have an answer then usually it's a uh, out really yeah, that's a good question i like it yeah. what about you well, manuel on my side, doubling down on the curiosity part, I actually still own the domain curiosity.ch, like written with Q, like asking questions, because my wife and I wanted to found like a kita, a nursery home, uh, to keep people curious and always be open to learn from other people. Uh, the second thing is really attitude. There's even a whole book, in my opinion, the best about hiring, called Hiring for Attitude, because you can teach people functional, technical, industry specific yeah. stuff it's very hard to teach people coachability and resilience and like these features mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the third one is experiencing failure like my my wife for example still has this theory that every like really successful person has been really deep down and recovered from it because people have never done it before at one point in life they get it like an injury in sports or or whatever like something they cannot even influence and it shows how you recover from that Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that's 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 very, that's very interesting. I, I I mean, we would probably agree with you more. It's passion. The passion part is extremely important too. It's probably on the same level of the things that we yeah. that we just said. I just find it 
Uh, th and then what, that's what I wanted to ask you. Did, you. did you find certain answers to that question, like what they are passionate or what they, they are hungry of, about? Um, did you find some answers that, you know, you could say, okay, those were the, the most successful ones. They said they want to, I don't know, they're hungry, they want to buy a car or they, they want to they, they give to charity all their money. That's why they, they have this hunger to, mm -hmm. to to earn money, maybe it's not even—it's not nothing to do with, with earning money, as with, with with many of us, right? So, what did you discover um, there? Um, I discovered a couple interesting ones. I mean, the the before we talk about pa like passion and necessity is not the same, so that's really really important. One thing is I am passionate about, let's say, helping other people, customer success, mm -hmm. like getting my mm -hmm. product into the market. The other yeah. thing is the other thing is I have to. And honestly, I have to say, I mean, Manu, you also talk about this a lot, right? We are in Switzerland and generally speaking, people are pretty, people are doing pretty good in Switzerland, right? Yeah. So we have some applicants from like certain universities where like they come into, they come into the interview process. They've never done a meeting or a call or anything before in their life. And they have crazy high salary expectations. And then you ask them like, well, do you have to be successful? And like, he already shows up like, I have nothing against Rolex, but like he already shows up with the Rolex on his wrist and like he, he's already fine, right? So he doesn't need to be successful. On the other side, I have extremely successful young people that basically came from a point where they had this necessity because, for example, they had an experience, like what you said, Manu, they had an experience of failure in their life. And they, I mean, it kind, of, it's a, it kind of sounds weird or also almost psychologically twisted, but they see a career in sales as an or in account management, account executive, etc. They see it as an opportunity to prove something on one side uh, at the beginning, a uh, very often to themselves or to their environment. Again, like mm -hmm. buying the car, Patrick. Like if mm -hmm. you have someone that comes in and says, "Look, I'm 20 years old, but my my ultimate dream is I want to buy a Mercedes-Benz C63, whatever AMG, right?" It's not the car that they actually want. It's not that what they need. It, it's, it is something else. And um, I have to say, like, that was actually true for me as well. So, like, I had an experience of failure in my life, uh, uh, an, ex an, ex an experience of extreme failure, um, where afterwards, when this company, my company, Transperfect, came to me and basically said, like, look, we have this opportunity and you can do out of it whatever you want. We don't really care what happened in your past. Like we don't really care this or that. Um, I was like, all right. Uh, it's a very American approach, I, I have to say as well. Um, mm -hmm. But it's 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 an amazing opportunity. And then what you need to do is you need to you need to make mo you need to make the most out of it. Which I would say, I made a lot out of it over the last ten years. So the yeah, experience right. in failure, like being all the way at the bottom, and that's true for a lot of our sales leaders. So like also when I speak with other successful salespeople um, sometimes right late at night having a drink at mm -hmm. some point in their life they usually had an experience of extreme failure obviously like in an interview no one is ever going to say that to you like mm -hmm. for me for me I can say this very openly I, I also don't mind like I got kicked out of public school I was a little bit of a troublemaker uh, like Manuel right ADHS uh, <laughs> I think you or what is it AD, ADSD like I just yeah, like to I do think. things. I'm I'm not very good at sitting around and doing nothing, and yeah. um, and when they kicked me out of school, I was like basically all right. This is so. This is it. 
uh, I'm going to work in, I don't know, Amigo or a Coop one day. And uh, I mean, not... me, sir, at this point, I'm very good at sitting around and doing nothing. I'm <laughs> more impatient over time, I think. I mean, uh, I, mean <laughs> I, 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 I know you a little bit, and you're definitely not the sitting around kind of person. <laughs> like, maybe, with, maybe with his wife, uh, you know, she, she maybe. Uh, maybe. maybe. Um, yeah, this is so... what we joke about that I teach her how to drink, and she teach me how to work, and now we're all equal, basically. But... <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but like extreme experience in failure, curiosity, but then like uh, the, the necessity. So like if someone shows up for an interview who's already doing super crazy, fine. Uh, usually it's just not going to work out. What do you think about hiring from dialog marketing from like people working door to door sales? Like I'm a super big fan, super big. Like because that's the hardest, uh, I would say, sales that, that you can do. You get a lot of no's, like you build up an extreme level of resilience. So I know a guy from uh, Vorwerk, you know, the Hoovers. Yeah, so like he's, he's literally yeah. selling He's literally selling Hoovers from door to door in Germany. He's a cool. super, super funny guy, super positive. And like he basically just shows up at a at, at people's store and goes like, hey, can I show you my tool? And people are like, what? And it's like, well, you know, I have it right here with me. And um, <laughs> the, the challenge there is it depends a little bit of how long that they are already in this process. So I worked as, as, as I mentioned, I worked in dialog marketing myself once in, in one of the leading ones in Switzerland outbound call center. And there's also a certain level after a couple of years where it's really hard to get them out of there again, because they're just in this mode and they, they just show up in the morning, nine o'clock, they do their calls, they leave at five and, and that's it. And, uh they they don't necess they're not necessarily hungry for more whereas the mm -hmm. young students yeah. um especially yeah. those that worked there during like on the side of university i'm a super big fan unfortunately mm -hmm. we don't have that it's actually interesting so a lot of them even if they do it they don't put it in their cv in switzerland because they're ashamed of it yeah. So like, yeah. I, I mean, I kind yeah. of get it because I was selling the Annabelle, which for those of you that don't that don't know it, it's like the Swiss uh, women's magazine with like purses for 15 grand and stuff. And I was also like, I didn't put it in my CV at the beginning, but then when I realized, all right, sales, like that's the career that I want to go into. Having worked in a call center once, it's like, it's it just also says a lot about your experience in failure and your your pain. Yeah, actually, this this week, actually tomorrow, I'm gonna accompany a client on like six back-to-back -back twenty to thirty-minute recruiting calls, uh, because they they're biotechnology firm, uh, really tacky but really like nice human guys, uh, but they've never done sales recruiting by nature before. So he asked me like, "Hey, so this person, she's like twenty-five, uh, or like she, she's like twenty-seven, but she's a master degree in bioinformatics and she's worked in two thousand five, I think she worked." selling lotto tickets on the street like nice. for, for like last 10 years or so like 2010 like what do you think she might not have enough sales experience like that person has been for 10 years on the street selling lotto tickets to people with the combination of the industry expertise even that like, that's an excellent fit and we're looking forward to that yeah i mean it's it's interesting my favorite experiences are when i go to as an example a street food festival and then there is like a good salesperson like that just like that makes my week 
my day, my week, potentially even my month. Uh, so, and it's it's the ones that I experienced, one that I experienced that was crazy good. And I think it's a good segue into another topic that you told me you wanted to talk about was HelloFresh. So I was at the Zurich Street Food Festival and there was a booth by, by HelloFresh. And I have to admit, like I hated HelloFresh before that. You know, it's they send you a box once a week with like food and recipes, and you but yeah. you still have to cook it yourself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why would someone do that? You can just go mm -hmm. to the Gop or you could go to the Migro and like <laughs> you could you could choose your cucumber yourself and your tomato, and it's not someone else who sends it to you. And I I made a super wide like detour around the HelloFresh booth. And like 15 minutes later, I had my credit card in my hand and I was like, okay, where do I sign? And so what happened in between is they had a sales guy. Uh, he, he's going to listen to this. He knows. And he was so good. So he did relationship building. He did analysis. He asked me and my wife, like, how we're, how we're cooking at home. And if we look uh, on, on healthy uh, nutrition, et cetera. Then he did his offering with like a special discount, et cetera. Then he had any objection I had, he was prepared. And then he just closed me. And like, do you want to start with HelloFresh next week or would you prefer the week <laughs> after? It's not a question if you start as well. And, and, and I, in my head, those 15 minutes, it's like, it's like I was hypnotized. And afterwards, I, I, I told him, like, listen, this is not normal. What you just did is not normal. Like, you can't tell me this is normal. Where did you learn this? And he gave me a business card and he said, give me a call. And I had that business card with me for like two months. And I kept thinking about this. And I was like, I have to call this dude. And then one day I had, uh, I went to the sort of Christmas market with him and he told me about sales coaching. He was basically a representative for a German sales coaching company. And after this experience, I, I booked all the coachings that I could book with him. Ah, that's the funny one you told me about. Yes. A bit, a bit of chaga coaching, but you're, you're still pumped about it out here. Correct, correct. And like, it was just, this was, I would say, one of the best sales experiences I ever had, even though it's a product that I didn't necessarily want. But the way he did it was just so smooth. Um, and I, I would wish for more people to do it like that. So like, you know, relationship and then like a clean uh, question and questions analysis uh, or qualification, if you want to call it that way. And then from there. Yeah, because Manu, I know that you told me you told me you want to also wanted to talk about sales coaching, right? Yeah, exactly. These are the, were these the most two important parts, like the relationship building and then the the questions. And how was this? How was this? How does that process look like with this guy? Or um, so basically, like it's it's usually uh, weekend seminars, and it's kind of funny because when I started working at this job, uh, you get like a couple of what I would call classics so like you know hope is not a strategy eat that frog the challenger sale like those those kind of yeah. books <laughs> yeah. well yeah. i mean maybe we can talk about what your favorites are but the, yeah. let's i'll just call them let's call them <clears throat> the classics and then basically you start doing your job and i would say for me i was pretty i had stand still from a sales knowledge perspective for for quite some time I mean, obviously, I learned with every deal that I made and with every new customer. And also, I learned from them a lot. 
for example, I, I also have some customers that are very famous sales organizations. So I also often ask them, like, how do you train your people? Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, like some tool manufacturers from Liechtenstein, for example. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that don't want to be named uh, or, or also some, yeah, well, some other brands. Um, anyway, and then after like a couple of years, I, I met with this guy, right? And then I was like, all right, there has to be more. Um, and now is the best time in the world to, to have a career in sales because there's so much content, so much knowledge, uh, videos. There is this podcast, right? So like all you have to do is you have to consume it. But then second, and that's what really matters, is you have to execute. Or the way that Gary Vaynerchuk always says it, like ideas are, we previously said we wouldn't use this word, uh, and execution is everything. And so mm -hmm. what I did is I went to these seminars, I sucked up all the content, I did the, the workshops, like it's very, very interactive. Mm -hmm. So you really, you practice, like as an example, the questions. So you yeah. write down the questions and then you're forced to do it with someone else, which normally most salespeople never do. Yeah. Most salespeople, they write down the script and then they are, they don't want to, we call it scrimmage. So they don't want to uh, role play with their peers. Yeah. Yeah. Because, th because they're kind of, my experience is they're almost like ashamed because they think they maybe say something wrong. Yeah, which they will, but it's better if they do it in front of each other, like internally and not on stage. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. In, in yeah. music, there's this saying like, this saying like you, you practice at home, like you, re you rehearse in a basement with your colleagues and then you play on stage. So clients is stage, but so many people are afraid to kind of rehearse and just play and might make mistakes that they don't do it and it's just like oh i should go into the oh now i'm here in the sales call in the sales meetings and they fuck up yeah i, yeah. I mean I, it's understandable you know when somebody works for three or four or five years in a company and then suddenly they do sales training right and then after so many years already working in sales when you do a sales training with your peers and they actually realize hey i mean the level of this guy, where is that? So, so you are obviously scared to to kind of show to the other or to, or to show your peers that you might not be or that you that you that you're not that good or that you feel you're not that good. So I guess you really need a good culture internally. Fail, but fr from the beginning though, I mean it's tough after you know. And and we had this experience, I guess as well at, at my former one of my former companies sales training after four or five years the first one and then it's kind of hard it, it feels kind of hard um yeah. to you know put your trousers down in front of your peers that could I, be hard. uh i don't know i mean i didn't feel it to be hard <laughs> i felt it more to be extremely frustrating because basically at that point i realized damn i was doing it wrong for five yeah. to seven yeah. years yeah. and uh, uh and so what what i would recommend everyone here uh listening and also to you guys like video coaching so like mm -hmm. record yourself yeah. and then mm -hmm. watch like if you're afraid of doing it in front of someone else just do it for yourself so like everyone yeah. has a smartphone everyone has a, a laptop with a camera so you just record yourself and then you listen to yourself and then it's it's crazy what you see also with body language so like where are your hands uh, we did one day of this training was just body language so where are mm. your are your hands here are they down and yeah. then uh every day someone else had to go on on stage a couple had to go on stage and do do their pitch in front of like 100 people that, that's what you that's what you do actually with video recordings are 
I started doing a lot of like initially videos just for clients, like as a kind of customer as video sales letters, but then I started doing them as follow-up and also on LinkedIn and you get a lot of feedback. It's like, hey, you ring like, are you going like hip hop or whatever? No, it's an auto ring, like it tracks your sleep and stuff, but you, you get feedback the more you expose yourself, but people struggle to expose themselves, right? Like I noticed there's a lot like in sports, like uh, I do I do boxing and there was was this this person and that has been boxing for five years, but they've never done sparring, right? So technique was good, speed was good, accuracy was good. Well, I could put my hands down basically and she wouldn't punch me in the face because like she'd never done that. Like it really felt weird. She like she stopped and that person like in a if if in front of a client situation, which is kind of is like it just broke. Like five years yeah. of training, perfect technique, but no exposure just breaks. It's like mm -hmm. if you put an artist on stage and the person has never been on a stage with people in front like it will just fail mm. yeah. or it's or if it's the first time that you're doing a podcast and you have never done one before <laughs> which, which is true for me <laughs> Sorry. yeah but basically patrick i and lars basically talked on thursday because we have our own whatsapp chat and we talk about sales like on a more or less daily basis and then we just had a chat and was like why don't we record this because it might be valuable for some other people i just do a podcast this was a thursday and then so like, yeah, let's do one on Monday. Uh, to, to be fair to them, Patrick and Lars thought like we're going to discuss how to do a podcast. It's like, okay, I tried to record. <laughs> Patrick was a bit hesitant more Swiss. Lars was up, I'm born ready anyways, let's go. And this was the first episode, right? Exactly. exactly. Ex execution, right? Yeah, yeah like, exactly. So, it's the do it. It's the Manuel has a do it mentality, I realized. Right. <laughs> instead of, instead of talking about it for two years, you just started doing it. You just started. That's yeah. so crucial with everything. So, so that's a, that's another part, like in sales and like we, you mentioned there's all the material to consume and we've all read probably 30 sales books. Like how do you bring people in your organization from being capable of doing something, so having the knowledge and maybe even have done it before to results to do it and execute on a regular basis like consistently every day also if it's yes. raining if they hang over if they just had a cold call which doesn't work monday monday morning nine o'clock uh so <laughs> it's, it's also something it's also something that i had to learn over the last couple of, of years uh becoming a sales manager and not only a sales guy myself so what i really the, the way to differentiate is books youtube videos podcasts etc that is to transfer knowledge, whereas role play seminars actually doing it, that is to change behavior. And so the way I, I would say I implemented this is by just doing regular role plays with them. For example, every Thursday at, at four, four o'clock or every Thursday at one o'clock, et cetera. And then, but also playing uh, real life scenarios. And usually, so for example, we have this one guy from, from um, one of our Nordic offices, when he started in the first week, we role played who now is his largest customer. Because when he then mm -hmm. called him, it didn't feel like it was the first time they were speaking with each other. He felt mm -hmm. like he has already spoken with that guy 20, 30, 40 times. So he was not nervous at all. Mm -hmm. And he knew exactly how the conversation would go because he had that conversation already with me yeah. 40 times um and so once they see that it actually works and i would say that's the that's the most difficult one to get them to the point where they see hey this stuff actually works yeah. but once once they see that it works they get almost i don't want to say addicted but like they want more so they come to you and they say hey i want to grow what what other podcast can you recommend to me or like hey is it what which of these two books would you recommend to me 
and that's the that's the the nicest thing that you can have as a as a manager that you don't have to go to them and basically tell them like hey you should do this or you should do that or you should do this but that they come to you and they ask you hey why don't we do this together I'm like hell yeah let's do it mm -hmm. um but that first uh, result so that first uh trigger in their brain when they re like if like if we use dogs as an analogy <laughs> it's maybe not fully appropriate but like the first time they get a cookie right hmm. it's it's you who has to train them but once you've done that it's 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 beautiful one thing one thing with the to stay in a dog analogy like if you give a dog a cookie like every time you get a cookie the dog will perform the trick how do you do it if you don't have cookies anymore and the dog should further perform you and that that's not just because you cannot pay commission but sometimes it's just like you to external circumstances like if your product is point of sales related and there's covid people might not close a deal for two months how do you get them through this phase of two months no cookies even if they do all the right stuff so i i have to say there is still cookie there's a lot of cookies out there like i mean my team is, is doing pretty pretty well also during these times because i have to say for us for my team the whole situation has has sped up some processes so like digital yeah. transformation certainly helps us because that mm -hmm. means that companies then come to us and say hey we have these e-learning initiatives and we need them in 17 languages or hey we have this new website and we need it in 22 languages because uh, so for example because they cannot they, they suddenly cannot sell their products in in the store anymore so now mm -hmm. they need to sell them through a let's say amazon and we and they come to us and they say hey can you translate our product descriptions for amazon into nine languages and i'm like yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and the other thing is <laughs> and the other thing is like i mean yes certainly when the whole situation started especially those team members that were very heavy on the cold call front they they struggled a little bit like hey i just can't reach anyone anymore but then we we shifted relatively i shifted relatively fast into video and and emails and then after a couple of weeks also in switzerland and germany and austria i felt like it almost became normal that you can still call the switchboard and they would just forward you to their mobile phones or like mm -hmm. if a company yeah. is using like a voice over ip solution you don't even notice if they're sitting at home or if they're sitting at their desk yeah, yeah. yeah. so you you basically have to tell them the cookies are still out there potentially i would say even more than before you just have to find them and other places maybe the deals are not there anymore because right now so let's say travel and tourism right uh i have a very nice and famous swiss client in the travel and tourism sector and then you just need to be understandful and say like look anything i can do for you please let me know if we need to do anything with the invoices uh, like you know extend the date like please let me know anything i can do to help because i understand that you guys are struggling mm. so they most likely won't have any cookies for me in the next couple of weeks right but then i go elsewhere you sell in in uh, germany and switzerland moritz right? and austria yes and but austria. I also, yeah and also i mean we don't do the regional thing so like we yeah. the way we the way we handle it as a company is if there's an opportunity that either you sourced or that fits your profile it's it's your opportunity okay do you think there's a diff what or what is the biggest difference between germany and switzerland let's say 
So in Germany, I would say they are extremely direct and like, let's get straight to the point. It goes all the way to the like uh, the switchboard. So like I would call the German switchboards and I would go like, hey, this is Moritz. I'm calling from, how are you today? Can you maybe pass me on to Mr. or Mrs., right? But one of the guys that I met at one of these sales trainings, he basically was like, yeah, no, that's not the way to do it. You basically need to call and say, hi, this is Moritz so-and-so, Mr. Hartmann, please connect me. Like, I mean, at least he says, please, but like, he's like, stellen Sie mich bitte durch, which for anyone speaking German, it's like, it's super direct. It's almost yeah. like an order. Um, and, and then say thank you even in the end. Stellen Sie mich bitte durch, danke. Right? I, I think I learned something like that. I think that he wouldn't there. even say, he wouldn't even say thank you. He would just be like, please connect me or connect me now almost in English. Um, <laughs> and in so that's one thing. Then in Germany, uh, very process focused technical focused so let's say if you have a solution that has an api which is the case for us they want to have the api documentation they want to know everything basically uh like from a technical perspective it's really pants down but then hey if you have all the necessary information you're you're gonna win um in switzerland it's very focused on quality and swissness and not so much on price so I think Switzerland is, is, is literally, for, for me, it's the best country in the world because people have very, very high expectations. They want the very, very best, right? Manuel, they want the Tesla, you know it. But then if you tell them Tesla is 130 grand, they're like, okay, do you take credit cards or do I wire the money? <laughs> like they want, and they don't, and if they have a big problem, if they have a big pain and you can solve it for them and, and they are convinced that you can solve it for them, price usually is not a decision-making factor. Whereas, for example, Italy, like, I mean, I love my Italian customers as well, in case you hear this, but um, it's usually, it's, it's very budget-focused um, just because, and it's very, it's a lot of negotiation. Um, and, and you need to know how to navigate these different environments. And I also, I have to add, I have a customer from the US, um, and that's, that's a whole completely different thing as, as well. So like the, you know, calls at late in the evening and then like, it's a lot of personal, uh, which also for me was, was the first time that I experienced this at this company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you would say, would you say like sales is a very local thing? And yes, absolutely. Like, yes. What would I absolutely. take away from it? One hundred percent. So that's that's why we have over a hundred offices in the world. Because yeah. in Switzerland, you need to sell the Swiss way. In Germany, you need to sell the German way. In in Thailand, we have an office in Bangkok. Like in Thailand, you need to sell the Thai way. Otherwise, it's just not gonna work. Yeah. Or it's gonna be hard. Mm. That, that's what many founders do and like, oh, let's go to the US, it's a big market, we do it remotely, it's efficient. <laughs> like, that is probably not a good idea. I mean, if you hire if you hire an American in Switzerland, which these days sh it should be possible, uh, absolutely. But like when I have, let's say I have Swiss customers that have American subsidiaries and we have a global master services agreement. So obviously when we onboard the American subsidiaries, I'm on that call. But one of my US colleagues is on the call and he is he or she is leading that call. And okay. I'm sitting yeah. over here and I'm sitting over here in Switzerland. I'm like, that's never the way I would do it. <laughs> and I mean, and some of it, and the, the best example is most likely small talk, right? 
So the Swiss, they like to talk about, I don't know, the weather and the mountains and snow and whatever. And they talk about baseball and basketball a lot. And I have to admit, I don't know any, or football, I don't know anything about football. So even the first phase, the relationship phase, and I mean, Patrick, you asked before, like, which one is the most important? I think it's the relationship phase. Like they need, they need to trust you. And if you are from Switzerland, from the other side of the world, and they don't really know who you are, they've never seen you. It's just really difficult to build that relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agree. Yeah. What else can I do for you guys? Nothing. That's yeah. That was very interesting. Great last line, basically. Like, thanks so much for sharing these insights with us. Also, uh, being in a very international sales setup and doing it for the last ten years quite successfully. Uh, From my side, like, thanks so much, Patrick. Anything you'd like to add? Any last question you'd like to ask? I actually had one other question written down, Moritz, because you were talking about um, your lowest part in life, and what I, what I, and and you were thinking, okay, I'm going to end up in Migro or Corp. What were the events, or the what was the event that brought you to like to where you are today, successful, self-confident uh, manager? What, what did you bring you? All right. You so- yeah, yeah, I can I can talk about it. I mean, I have to say now I can talk about it pretty openly. Yeah. Uh, back back then, certainly certainly not. So first of all, there's nothing wrong with work, working at Migo or Coop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but I was I was 11 years old uh, when when I I had some challenges at school. I had to go to boarding school, and at at that point, I certainly had higher aspirations. And the challenge I would say the events that happened was. I was 11 years old, I went to boarding school, and then I wanted to make some extra cash, some pocket money. And through my dad, who is a successful salesperson himself, and I think that's, that's, that helps helped me a lot. Basically, I was like, hey, why don't we import some remote controlled cars from China? You maybe remember them, like these super tiny remote controlled yeah, cars. And then you sell them at school. And I was like, yeah, like I kind of wanted one myself. And then I started basically going into sales on the schoolyard, uh, selling you know, this. Then at some point, I was selling candy. At some point, I was selling Pokemon trading cards. I just, I just liked it until the, until, until, going, actually. Until, the point, until the point where the school director came to my parents, basically said, like, listen, your son needs to understand this is a school and not like a, a, a merchant place, <laughs> right? Um, and then, so that's, I would say, where I discovered that I, I like doing this. And I mean, I, not, be, not only because of the money, also because of the, the joy that I was able to bring to other people. So like, they really enjoyed the candy or the Pokemon cards or the, the, the remote controlled cars. Like we, we had a lot of fun and I had a little bit more money. So it was a win-win situation. Uh, maybe the parents were not so happy, but that's, that's another story. Mm. Um, and then during university, I worked in the call center and in that call center basically, and there was just a recent post about leaderboards on LinkedIn. Like if leaderboards really help salespeople to be more successful, for me, coming back to the extremely uh, ch- like competitive personality, it helped me a lot. So we we had an hourly salary. So I actually couldn't care less if someone would take the Sonntagszeitung, the newspaper, or not. But at the end of the evening, from a financial perspective, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. at the end of the evening, I just wanted to be number one. I just wanted to be on on top of 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 the leaderboard, and then. 
one thing followed the other. So then I, I went to the army, I put my CV online for after the army. And then suddenly this American company calls me and goes like, hey, uh, we found your profile and it says that you have some sales experience. Do you want to work for us? And I was like, who are you guys? What are you doing? I never heard of you before. And yeah, <laughs> now I work here for almost 10 years. And it's, uh, it's the best, literally, it's the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And it's a great story, like with the selling on the schoolyard, that's what uh, successful American salespeople always say as well. Other than the teacher is not going to tell them you shouldn't sell here. They would probably say, <laughs> you're building your business. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, it's a funny story. So my boss, uh, again, SVP, EMEA, so he did the same, but even better, he had his own bodyguard that he paid in, in candy. As, uh, the way he told me the story oh, wow, and wow. and and in a normal like in a swiss sales interview i think you would never talk about these things but he's american and when we did our very first uh interview we talked about these things very openly and i guess that's one of the reasons why why he, i think actually that's one of the reasons why he hired me because we had kind of like the same same experience yeah cool so if, cool. if anyone ever comes to you and says hey i sold candy hire that guy Amazing. Yeah, okay. I like how the story ended. That's very, very good. I like. I, I thought you me up with, with other substances and so on in the sales, like, but that that wasn't not, wasn't even the case. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, so I would I I really hope that I was able to bring some value to you guys. Again, like number one is execution. The Swiss way for me is a lot of talking and then maybe doing something after two or three years. The American ways, you know what? I have this idea. Let's just do it and see if it works. If it doesn't work, we just bury it and we we do another one. And yeah. so I'm I'm very very uh, thankful that you had me on your idea. But now it's already, as I heard, the sixth time that we had the execution. And um, I wish you all the best, man. I'm looking forward to also episodes seven to seven hundred seventy-seven, just like your Loom videos. <laughs> and Patrick, sorry. Thank you very much, Moritz. I like Moritz and. And next Monday, we're actually going to talk to Maddy Agrawal from Startups to Scale. Oh, nice. Uh, as you know, also, Maddy, and he'll talk about how to bring US sales culture basically to Switzerland, to SaaS businesses, and where are the differences as well, which we're all talking about regularly. Look at the connection. Thanks so Good. much. And have Thank a thank you. Have ciao, an amazing ciao. evening. See you. See you around. Bye, Moritz. <laughs>